Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DeConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We're here at episode number 65, and we're also joined by Jackie. Hi, how are you? Designer extraordinaire. Designer. I had a name. I think I've given you like oh. a, a few different names. I'll, I'll slack. I'm like, hey, design queen. Hey. Uh, <laughs> listen, I'll, I'll just keep making I'll things up. I'll take the variety. Any of them. <laughs> Anything. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's get into story time. Jackie, kick us off. Sure. So I will be the first to admit that any kind of brand feud that is started in jest or trending buzz on social media automatically gets my attention, whether it's accidental or on purpose. Like My friends and I have a group text and we are all about the tea. I am the first one to immediately get my popcorn and sit down with my phone oh. to read like the online boxing match. It's just <laughs> so much fun. And the ongoing topic for my friends and I this past week was the recent number one trending topic on Twitter, which was hashtag chicken sandwich wars. So for it. those Popeyes. of you living under a rock, yes, these last two weeks, Popeyes announced on August 12th that they were now offering a limited time chicken sandwich to their menu. Oh, wait, hold the phone. This is limited time? Limited? Yes. Limited oh, time. Wait, this, this story, wait, this story gets so much better. Wait. Okay. So lim, limited time, but there's more to it. So they were offering a chicken sandwich and they were adding it to their menu and the excitement began building August 19th when Chick-fil-A tweeted its way into the conversation with their announcement. And they had this photo, like a tweet of a picture that said bun plus chicken plus pickles equal all the love for the original. So Popeyes responded back with y'all good. And <laughs> first of all, because I'm not Man. from down South, I had to look up what exactly that term meant, which is so sad. Y'all good. <laughs> like I, I had oh, to look it up man. and Call uh, out. The, seriously. And the chicken sandwich wars officially begun. And it skyrocketed Popeyes into this trending globally and the birth of the hashtag drawing in all these people suddenly needing to get their hands to, on this chicken sandwich to compare. And I dug into their traffic numbers after the tweet went out and I was amazed. I'm not going to lie because I feel like something like this, when it happens, it can be so hit or miss with what gets picked up. Sure. And I'm sure things like this happen a lot, but to see Chick-fil-A, who is triple the size of Popeye's essentially, and then Popeye's national, like the nationwide restaurant traffic went from 67.6% on August 20th to 103.3% the following day within 24 hours. And the Google searches grew 1000% after that tweet. And mm. I don't know if you guys have tried it yet. I personally, I've not. They're they're not big down here. I'm at least sitting in my part of Florida. Like Nor the closest here. is like 20 minutes away. The only so time I get Popeyes is in an airport. I feel like I feel like that's my travel <laughs> food. See it. 
Yeah. Yes. That's like, a, you know, you're stopping at a rest stop and it's inside. But so apparently there were lines wrapped around Popeye's 45 minute waits. There were certain towns that nixed offering it because the long, I'm going to try not to laugh, but the long lines were contributing to traffic crashes. Uh-huh. And in a tweet this past Tuesday, Popeye's announced that its chicken sandwich inventory was completely exhausted. That what they forecasted to last them through the end of September, two weeks into the launch, they were already out of the whole product nationwide. Yeah, That's interesting. I got a theory about that. I, I think it's I think, intentional. Ooh. I think it's do intentional you? too. I mean, how do you okay. how do you run out of chicken? Right. That would be a strange thing to have happen. It's almost the hype. I think it just it adds to the hype. It adds exactly. Nintendo, uh, famously, my kids will tell you like that every time they do anything, there's they always sell out immediately. Yeah, and it's just because. Like there's not that many people who play Nintendo necessarily compared to Xbox or PlayStation or other things. So it makes no sense. It's just they're constantly underproducing the amount of product they need. So they can always say, look, we sold out. And that's not actually a bad pre-sale without fail yeah. strategy. But I think what's interesting is I wonder how confident Popeye's was that they had the better sandwich. Right. Like it, it didn't seem like they came out with quite that same swagger until like your point, until the, the jump in by Chick-fil-A to say, mm-hmm. hey, don't forget who started this all. And the other mm-hmm. thing that I think is hilarious is I think Wendy's, I read some, you know, they tried to jump in and they're certainly famous for their Twitter account. Yes. And people are just kind of like, like, whatever, like your they sandwich is more here. expensive <laughs> and it doesn't even look like a piece of chicken, really, in comparison. <laughs> That's my feeling. You're right. Wendy's I feel well. like a lot of their Wendy's swoops in for like a quick burn. I feel like they're notorious for that. But yeah, I, they should just funny. stay focused on McDonald's. Because that's an easy one to win every time. Easy one to win. It's funny. Looking up these sandwich wars, I was looking at the top stories and, you know, put aside that the fact that they were suspending this now as a menu option. I was reading that a Tennessee man is now suing Popeye's for running out of the chicken sandwich. And I've just, I'm amazed. I, I will give this credit where it's due, how something random like this can spark, whether it's done on purpose something i don't know just having one company like chick-fil-a jump in and then suddenly two months of inventory down to two weeks that's okay we've talked a lot about chicken but i gotta throw this in too i think it's interesting (laughs) because it'll tie in a little bit with my story but chick-fil-a so clearly has won Mm -hmm. up to this point Mm -hmm. what not just chicken but the fast food war more profit per store just all kinds of good things experience yep you see the meme that floats around that said if only our government was run like a chick-fil-a drive-through it would be i just i always laugh because it's just they are so on it no matter how busy they are so friendly i mean i could have the worst day in the world but as soon as i get my chick-fil-a bag and my pleasure they have I, macaroni and cheese now. So yes, your children right. can eat there every day of the week and they have every food group, <laughs> chicken nuggets and mac yeah. cheese. Yes. And what grapes. I thought was You're so hilarious it is I think Sam's Club has chicken, which they say is like rip off Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my wife is telling me about them because our kids love Chick-fil-A. Right. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't. Right. I'm yep. like, time out. Like, do you really think Sam's Club has so we I watched this video review on YouTube with her. I'm like, check this mm. out. This doesn't this looks like McDonald's chicken nugget, you know, like the questionable, not sure what this is. It's not white meat. <laughs> it's like 
not it's wholesome, all kinds of stuff. And <laughs> sure, they put some cool. lime flavoring on it, but it's not the same thing. And this reviewer yeah. is like, oh, it's exactly like Chick-fil-A chicken. I'm like, yeah, if you don't care about the chicken part. like, Oh, yeah. Anyway. I, I like knowing <laughs> that if my chicken sandwich, like when I'm taking a bite, it's actually chicken. It's always a good feeling to know. It's, That's what yeah, I'm it's eating. It's a good feeling. It's but good. Very interesting. All right, Andrew, what do you got for us? I saw the future. I, I that's a big statement. Have, do they have the new checkout systems at your Home Depot? If you've been to Home Depot recently, up in Ohio or or Pittsburgh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's new. They do have self checkout yeah. zones. Same here. Zones. So they do have the zones, and so at the one local to me, they put one in like this. It's a new version of the checkout zone area, and now. All of the registers, they only have self self checkout at this Home Depot, so one hundred percent of the store is self checkout. But the interesting part, it's a huge. I put a picture down at the bottom. Yeah, I think it's like a twenty four inch flat screen right there, and then next to it is like a wireless barcode scanner thing gun, mm. which like you pick it up, you're like, ooh, this is this is probably expensive. Like it's not like this like little cheap yeah. thing, and it's all right there. And there's someone that's kind of like walking around. They don't have a station that they're hiding behind. And they're just kind of there to like help you. Hey, you need help? Okay, you're good. And you could, like I went there, I did this project at the, at the home and so I went to Home Depot and Lowe's. Of course, any project at the house is like three or four trips. So I went to mm-hmm. both and going for, from Lowe's and Home Depot, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like Home Depot, like the, the height on the counter is low. So it's very open feeling. Mm-hmm. Like the whole, I don't know, I think the experience was, was cool. I'm like, this is different, even though it's just self-checkout. But like you even scanning it, if you think to like most of them, whether at Target or Walmart or even Home Depot, like you scan it, there's like this one, two second delay before it actually registers. And you could put the item back into a bag or back into your cart. Mm. But this one you could literally have. So I had like 12 pieces of wood and have the barcodes on it. You could just beep, 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 beep. And you're, oh, and you're done. Wow. There's no like scan it, wait, scan it, wait. Yeah, they're just paying for better put equipment. The, yeah. And then it's like trying to make you like weigh the items like please place extra items into the, from your cart or whatever. And you're like, I'm not stealing anything. What's wrong with you? Right. And so it's just, it's seamless. It's really, it's really weird. Like, it's like, we don't need this person that's kind of hovering around. I was going to say, anymore. did you notice a lot less workers there w- with having this set up like that? At the front, I did. Like there okay. was, so it's like pods of four. So like in the picture, I don't know if we could put it anywhere, but there's, you have like a pretty wide open section. So if you had people with lumber, like they're not running into each other, but there's four checkout areas and there's one person per section. So there's, you know, eight checkout stations. There's only two people, but then you have, I I thought I noticed more people like within the aisles of the store. Which makes total sense. That's where, that's where you need help. That's where they should be. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's where you need the help. It was, I know it sounds like saying out loud, you're like, oh, that's, that's weird. But if you go and do it, you're like, oh, that's what self-checkout is supposed to be. Not this other thing that like even the Target self-checkout, you beep, you scan it and then you're like yeah. waiting. Okay, put it back in there. And it's just like, it's more friction versus this because the, the thing is wireless. It's a huge screen. It doesn't feel like it's um, obtrusive, like in your way, in your way, you just scan it and you're on your way. You're done. Did you think it was a lot quicker doing it? On I your thought own? it like was everything? quicker, but I could definitely okay. see if you, maybe if you're not tech comfortable or savvy Mm -hmm. or even like maybe you're older maybe you like i don't know you can't read well you know thinking like yeah i don't know like there could be issues as far as like you still need someone to to help you which they're there but then you kind of have to 
go out of your way to ask someone like for hunt it. them down. Yeah. 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 I, what I like thinking about is just all of the behind the scenes conversations, meetings, you know, who, who's the person who started this change having to overcome oh, yeah. all the objections of everyone's going to be mad. There's fewer people, less support, less help. Right. But you know, they, and then just designing it well and, and ultimately being able to actually get it out into the wild is, is that that's, mm-hmm. that's the fun part. I think oh, of, yeah working in a large organization like that. And I actually, I used Wendy's self-ordering kiosk for the first time the other day, just because the drive-through line was out of the, I mean, it, it was like the Popeye's line. And so I parked to go inside cause I thought it'd be faster. There was a line there, but there was three, you know, self-ordering kiosks with no one at it. Enter in my oh, order and I'm, I'm, I'm beating the third person actually in line and there's seven <laughs> people behind them. Like why are, why is, Kevin, why, why, why aren't everybody doing this? I have nice. totally tested that out in one of my many visits to McDonald's. <laughs> I've totally done that. I've been guilty. And that it one. does. It is a lot quicker. It, it almost feels weird in a way trusting yeah. a kiosk now, to like get everything right. Since you've used it many times, what I'm really curious about is does it remember you and what you ordered? Because that's like the no brainer is, oh, Kevin's back. Well, here's the three things you've ordered before. That way I don't mm-hmm. have to... I don't want pickles on that. I don't want onions. That, like if it just remembers my order and I can hit it every time. And I don't, I'm Wait, you mean the putting in one. your credit card or something just to trigger that order, the memory of that order or. Yeah. Or like give us some piece of information or, or code. I just, I'd like it to actually learn who I am. Cause I'm one of those weird people. I don't yeah. like the uh, concept of ordering ahead on an app. Cause mm-hmm. the longer the food sits, I know I'm yeah. talking about Wendy's, but like, I just don't, I don't like the concept of any food sitting around longer well, than not it needs to completely made. Like it's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's why I, I still haven't done Uber Eats or any of those other yeah. Oh, yeah, that, for the well, same reason. Yeah. That creeps me out. Like, how long has this been in your car that I, you just <laughs> drive around all day? Like when you're not, <laughs> yeah, that, and that maybe I grew up too much around like just being a part of very strict parents that always like checked things. I feel like I'm very conscientious of like food dropped off by a stranger and what, I don't know. Nowadays (laughs) it's hard. Maybe that's just me. Like I, you know, Halloween candy, you know, they always had those horror stories growing up. Like people put things in those. I feel like my parents would be the ones that would be like testing every piece to like (laughs) (laughs) X-ray each one. Okay. You're good. Right. Right. We can just buy you your own bag of candy. But this reminded me of um, like this whole um, experience is like when things were not as, you know, you would call to place an order on a website way back. Like I remember like way back when like, oh, mom, dad, I need a credit card. This is like maybe 2002. And that was not like, oh, I don't know if we need to do that. Are we sure we need to do that? Can't you call them? And even though this is like there's been self-checkout for years and years and years, I think this finally is like this. And you need to go buy something from there. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, this is finally what it should should be like. Mm-hmm. And with this concept, I think going to Home Depot and then if you go to another Home Depot without the self-checkout, you're like, oh, this is old feeling. Like, why do I have to wait in line for this person? And they're taking forever and da, 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 all these things. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, I'll keep going. What <laughs> <laughs> probably when everyone goes to some form of uh, self-access to properties, right? We're going to have a similar mm-hmm. yeah. once it's done really, really well. And I think it's being done better now than it has in the past, but it's still not perfected. Mm-hmm. But once yep. it is, we're going to feel the same way about that. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Kevin, how about you? My story time is about competitors copying you. And I'm going to start with the builder story of we had 
someone that we, we partner with, they took a screenshot and emailed it over to us. And they're like, hey, do you, do you maybe work with these people? Because their ad is exactly like ours. And normally when someone says that, it's like 60% like yours. But this was like it was totally creepy. exactly. Yeah. Same font, was same it? colors. Oh, wow. Like same copy except for a price point difference. Like it was... I would say 95% the same. Yeah. Like there's no, no effort to change. Like, it no was... creativity. And to their credit, they didn't freak out and no, we don't work with them. But it definitely made me think just about, you know, what do you, what do, you do when competitors are copying you? And I think the Ooh. first thing that most people get is a little bit frustrated or angry or like, what's going on? But you got to remember, like they're copying you because you're in the lead, because they need to, because they don't have another idea or thought or, right. or choice. Uh, you well, know. don't they say that's the highest form of flattery when you're, there you someone go. copies you or. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of an ad one, you know, everyone can see it. So it's not going to be a secret for long. Nope. And there's more to the ad than just what it looks like. And that's, you know, the other thing is we started doing more investigating of this builder and, and looking at all the different ads that they were running in different geographic areas. This was kind of a one-off thing where someone had just decided to test it, it looked like. And I'm almost positive by the way that it was built that it's not doing exactly the same thing in total. So while visually it may look the same, I don't think it's as smart as it needs to be. And it's, and it's probably not going to have the same results, even though they're trying to copy whatever it is that they, they can see of you. You can't see like the process behind it, all of it. And like the, right. like the Facebook ad library, I think everyone knows about. You could put in any page yeah. and you see the active ads, but you don't see the targeting. You don't see the budget. You don't see all the other things that build up the ad. Yeah. You don't see yeah. how Very to get true. the special categories to stop fighting with you and let you publish the ad. Yeah. All the fun stuff you don't see. And builders have struggled with this stuff for a long time. Obviously, the good thing about home building is you can't copy land exactly, right? You can try <laughs> so to build true. a similar community across the street, but it's still not the exact same piece of ground, probably not bought for the exactly the same price or terms. And so that's one good thing. But floor plans, man, I, I can't tell you how many times we have customers uh, call up and would ask, hey, can I build that floor plan over here in this other location on my own lot or, you know, just, and builders just freak out. That's my floor plan. And they're going to go online. Some builders mm -hmm. uh, have even told me in the past, I don't want to put my floor plans online because people will steal them and build them for themselves. Oh my gosh. And it's kind of like, well, if you really think that having a family room and a kitchen in your home is a competitive <laughs> advantage, then I understand. <laughs> but I think everyone's going to get to that point. I yeah, or they'll schedule an appointment at the model and just get the floor plan there. I mean, it's just eh, pick and choose your battles with your energy for that. Yeah. So just because it's the same dimension and layout, we know there is so much more that goes into that total buyer mindset of like making the decision of reputation and materials mm -hmm. that go into that layout and uh, service history and reputation and so many other things. The other part about competition is it keeps you sharp. In fact, back to the Popeyes and Chick-fil-A thing, mm -hmm. I heard a quote this past week and I, I don't know who to attribute it to, but it was the CEO of Coca-Cola saying, if Pepsi didn't exist, I'd have to invent it because 
without yeah. Pepsi existing, we would just yeah. be so kind of okay with the way things are. We wouldn't be looking to innovate or change or invest or get better. Well, yeah, and it's I easy need to get to have complacent. A Pepsi. Yeah, right. exactly. And I thought that's really something coming from the CEO who could easily just be like, man, these guys are a super pain in my rear end and I wish they'd just go away and I wish this was a monopoly and we could just do whatever we wanted. And mm-hmm. I think that's the right perspective that competition is good. Anyway, it's, that's, yeah. that's my story time is c- competition is an okay thing and you can't let it distract your attention from the customer. At the end of the day, that's the most important and it keeps you sharp. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Mm-mm. Love it. All right. Let's hop over to the news. Thais is on vacation, so I got to oh, push these buttons at the right <laughs> the time again. I just imagine you in your office hitting the buttons uh, on your keyboard. Like, I, that's what I envisioned too. <laughs> Facebook special ad categories. Ooh. Yeah, these have been Ooh. fun. These have been fun. There's, I don't, I'm sure there's a news, a link to reference I could, I could pull it in there. But essentially, yeah. I think people have started to see this. And I'm sure I hope they've mm-hmm. seen it this week if they're making their own edits on the campaigns. But the the quick one-on-one is any... I was going to say, enlighten, enlighten me. You, en- <laughs> tell enlighten me, you. Tell me more. So there's the HEC categories, housing, employment, and credit that are... Mm-hmm. You, you're not, you cannot discriminate, right? And so Facebook is mm-hmm. finally applying these rules to anyone in those categories. So the rules are that are important. If you created a campaign before August 26, you have to opt into the quote special ad category if it's in one of those, which everyone listening, housing, that's us. Um, but if it, you if it was created before the 26 and you do not edit it, you don't have to do anything for now. But if you create it after the 26, yeah, we did, we, I did ah. hear one instance of like it trying to kind of sneakily say like, Hey, this ad's going to update when you hit the button. You can just ignore that though, or undo it. You you do not need to change it. So it'll keep running unless you make an edit. It might try to trick you into making an edit. You're not actually making, but just undo it and you'll be fine. Correct. Yeah. But there's no, there's no harm in opting in. I think some people, at least that I not, not our builders, but just other people in the industry had concerns like, oh, well, this diminished a performance because it's like this like riskier ad. I'm like, yeah. no, it's nothing to do anything. They just want us to self-elect so that we're putting our, you know, we're acknowledging even further like, hey, we can't do these things. And right. then when we do that, it does restrict the targeting to, you know, ask, you can't change age, you can't change gender. And then the minimum mm-hmm. geotargeting is 15 miles. So it's just forcing those rules. Which is the, which is the best practice yeah. that we've talked it's, about for a long time anyway. So, and so this is totally inside baseball, but because we know that a lot of competitors slash other agencies do listen to the show, you don't have to make, make all the changes now, but it is still going to be a best practice to, mm-hmm. as time allows, go back and self opt in, mm-hmm. even if you don't need to make an edit to an ad just to be in full compliance. You know, there's no, at some point there will be a, a drop dead date of this will no longer. Yeah. Run. I think it's, and I think it's really late this it. year and there'll be another pop up in the yeah. account. So it's not like. Unless you have hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds to edit, you know, if you have to do yeah. four or five, even 10. And to me, that yeah. would take like it's just five a minutes. Good, but it, yeah, good housekeeping. Yes. Practice. Just down. keep it. Keep I it agree. Close. All right. Next news article from theverge.com. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen when you're going to the verge.com? This is not housing related at all, but it 
I think is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I think it is interesting. Did you put this I in I did here? put it in there or because, put this in because here? I'm like, oh, okay. that's, that's interesting. Tell us all about yeah. it then. So the headline I, yeah, is... I, that's cool. Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates' life is explored in the new three-part Netflix documentary. Yeah, so I think there's Ooh. there's a few things. One, it's interesting that Netflix is still upping their content game with Disney Plus coming out. We're kind of have this theme of yeah. talking about the competition and what do you do. It's So this has obviously been in the works for a long time. Bill Gates, I think we're all on PCs here. And as far as the influence of PC and computers, mm-hmm. it, it's insane as far as his influence on it. Oh, I thought it was interesting. I think everyone that's listening would probably want to watch this coming out. I think it's, they put the date on there. Yeah, September 20th is when it comes out. So yeah, if you're coming to the summit, that's you could. Definitely now he's only be on like the, the, the binge He's list. only like the third or fourth most uh, valuable yeah, human only a, on the planet, right? In terms of oh, his, his net worth. Only. So, I mean, if it may no not be deal. worth your time, just to clarify. And I feel like Netflix, their documentary game, I w- just because I watch a lot of them yeah. on there, they do an excellent mm-hmm. job. They're so. very easy to binge. Yep. So that is, I feel like is definitely going to be added yeah, to my three list. Three parts, I think it's cool. three parts. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, I thought everyone would want to know that. I randomly saw. I'm like, oh, Bill Gates documentary. That's that's cool. Who doesn't want to get inside Bill Gates' world just to see his day to day? His it's probably inner weird workings. stuff. That'd it's, be very cool. Probably yeah. not. It's probably quite boring. <laughs> yeah. He goes and gets what's the uh, yeah, hamburger yeah. place in Seattle with the picture? You know, he goes and eats where normal people eat. Oh, Dicks. He said Dicks. Yes. Mm-hmm. There we go. So he just. Normal person. Yeah. I wonder if they'll yeah. like pick his brain about just, you know, big competitor like Apple yeah. and just different things like in that aspect as well. That'll be just mm-hmm. be neat to see him. Very cool. The next one here is from Inman.com and the headline is Amazon dives into home sales with a new $105,000 property. Now this is another case of the headline and reality are not quite connected mm-hmm. here, but it's definitely going to get you <laughs> A lot of clicks like, oh my gosh, we knew it. Amazon's back in. Yeah. And we do have a mystery voicemail to play here in okay. a minute uh, now that I'm being reminded about Amazon. But Amazon is not selling it. It's it's being sold by another company, yep. correct? It's not Amazon I, Yeah, and I don't know why they branded. Obviously, that's not a fun But I think headline. it's through correct. Amazon. It's, it's like fulfillment by Amazon. Yeah, it's through Amazon. It's just their platform, which is interesting. They still dub it as like it's Amazon selling it. But it's not. It's a company name, Q House, H-A-U-S. I'm looking at the listing. You know, it's yeah. currently unavailable. There's a hilarious review on it. I think it got, did it get deleted? Oh, it was on there before, but it was funny. It was like, it was amazing watching the Amazon drones deliver this one by one by one. <laughs> and all these little pieces on there. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But, you know, it's it's, it's well, 770 boy. square feet, tiny home, modern looking thing. I don't know. It's, it looks cool. And you could add this to your cart. Right, That's like this goal. is a you listing that you well, But at the end of the day, I mean, Amazon's getting in all kinds of hot water right now, being investigated by the government again because they've done a terrible job with these third-party sellers, you know, uh-huh. selling counterfeit goods, goods mm-hmm. that are not sh- not to be sold at all because they've been labeled unsafe or out of compliance with with U.S. regulations. And can you just imagine the first time that? one of these houses falls apart or oh, breaks I, or someone nightmare. dies or whatever. I wonder if Amazon's really thought through some of this because that's going to be, you know, can you imagine Amazon kills family when house collapses oh, or whatever? I, I mean, not that did, I'm not saying to be clear, because we got include it in the title regardless. that modular homes are, are not built well, but 
Gosh, but I this don't is know. still assembled by. Yeah, but how many people can like say? Me? Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, and they say that oh, it only needs assembled by two skilled workers. First of all, what That's, do you define skilled <laughs> as? And second of all, who is going on Amazon and adding, you know, a nice one hundred and five thousand dollar house? Like, you know, well, just I think oh, the, whatever. Like, just to the media attraction of, of this is is let's say you do have property and you're like, oh, I could literally click this button and today's Friday and let's say by Wednesday this will be at my, on my land, not assembled, not installed, but like versus going <laughs> yeah. to a modular builder, you know, like, Ooh, I have to meet with sales. I have to do this after this, but you're like, Oh, I have, I have an AMX. I could do, I could put whatever I want on my card. Like this will work. I'd just be as so weary. The, but the I, you know, isn't there. It, I'm just telling terrible. you, this doesn't make sense to me at all because I agree, how can you yeah. sell out of a home that can be manufactured so quickly? Like why would, I mean, you might, you might change the delivery date, I think both from a seller, like the, the actual company, as well as Amazon's perspective, they've kind of said, hold on here. Mm-hmm. You know, the quote, I'm just, I Googled quickly and found another article on housingwire.com quote from the, the CEO of Q house says the queue is long at the moment. Of course it takes time to fulfill the orders, but there is no, like how many did you sell? And talking to people who have owned small manufactured home companies, if you're ramping up and you're small, and I don't know anything about Q House at all, they're located in Estonia, Northern Europe. Okay. Can you imagine having to ship these over here? I feel oh like it's in a container. Gosh. Like, yeah. put your home on a container. Yeah. Yeah. In a container. Yeah. I think when they realize that it's going to still be two months before it's delivered, and yeah, you yeah. can set it up. But anyway, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm glad we talked about it. Well, but. there's growing popularity, I feel like, with this like type of niche with, with yeah, there's the no tiny homes, that. with the, with, you just see these vacation little getaways there that you just see all these different they things. They all seem very, mm-hmm. the huge market, to me. especially oh, yeah. out West and down South to add these things into your backyard and turn it into a separate Airbnb, that gotcha. kind of idea. What's that? Mm-hmm. ADU um, is a fancy term. A- ADU, is that the word? The, yeah, it's, it is one oh, okay. of the terms that it can mean different things from, from low income housing to gotcha. um, accessory dwelling unit, but, or affordable dwelling part of the States. But yeah. Yep. All right, moving on to a, another article from Yahoo Finance. Uh, another, I haven't said the name Yahoo yeah. in uh, yeah. a long time. Probably the last time I said, well, you, 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 you Yahoo's, Yahoo's get off my lawn. people have a Yahoo email, <laughs> I question them. And As you <laughs> shake your doing? cane. Um, yeah, I, I would question someone yeah, with Yahoo email mail. as well. It's yeah. hotmail, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yes, AOL. But that... Headline is Redfin champions transparency in real estate as the first brokerage to display the buyer's agency commission. And I think this is this is genius. And I think it's not going to take long for everyone else to do the same or something similar. That's what was the mm-hmm. quote here. Maybe you guys have I it. don't have the quote, but I feel like this is a it's interesting seeing that up front. Like, and this will lead into the to the voicemail and, and just the whole conversation on it. But you're they're like, oh. We're paying that much, even though they know it anyways, but seeing it written down, it's like when you, when you finance your home mm-hmm. and then it tells you like where you sign the paper and it's like, this is how much this is actually costing interest over the years. And you're like, right. But what is that? Okay. I guess that's what it is. Are you serious? It- is this to more or less take away the shock factor? Like if people who are either selling or buying, if you, like you said, they somewhat know that price or that commission, that number. I feel like a lot of times seeing it up front helps, you know, that band-aid being pulled off right away, just being able to see it and know. 
I think it's just to try to put more pressure on getting these commission amounts lowered overall. Mm. I view it very similar to prescription drug pricing. How much is that mm-hmm. drug going to cost you? When I got my inhaler, it was 200 bucks out of my pocket mm. to pay for this thing. You heard about the uh, injection for people who oh, yeah. are allergic to bee stings and, and peanut mm-hmm. allergy, right? The EpiPen mm-hmm. and the crazy pricing. I think this is just trying to say, look, it's putting public pressure on real estate agents, which is why well, it's interesting. I mean, Redfin is a, is a discount brokerage generally, or that's what some people would refer to them as, is here they're the people who will sell my house and take less commission from me. If it's not known how much commission is there, you might not see the full value in working with a Redfin mm-hmm. agent. In term, but this is just buyers. Anyway, the quote that I, that I wanted to, to show here was, of people who successfully bought a home in the last year, uh, Redfin found that 38% had some idea how much money my agent made on my transaction, how the amount was dis- determined, and who paid it. Wow. And 13% had no idea. So only 38% had a good idea. And so they're, I think they're just trying to let people understand the better value of working holistically with Redfin mm-hmm. on both ends of the transaction or to, to sell your house and why it's important because you're going to save more when they list it potentially, but also just to put pre- pressure on agents. And I think no one really says this, but at the end of the day, all of the major real estate disruptors are they're trying to help agents and make up in volume what they want to take away from individual commissions yep. on each transaction. So, yes, you know the reaper is coming. You're not going to make the full amount you used to, but don't worry if you partner with us and our disruptive technology, we're going to get you the volume that's going to far out. At the end of the day, you're going to you're going to make more money. Yeah. But that does mean at the end of the day, there's probably less agents who are working higher volume each. I wonder but, if that'll draw yeah. in more traffic once being able to post that, the commission and people seeing that number to compare. I wonder if that'll help. Well, the buyer doesn't pay it. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, the seller pays it. So mm-hmm. True. I don't know. I, I don't understand how that benefits them other than putting that pressure out there. Yeah. And again, just showing, well, if that's what the buyer's getting paid, what's the seller getting paid? Mm-hmm. And again, if Red can say, we're actually making less money than your, than the person buying the house is mm-hmm. and we're selling it. And we had to market it and do all that work. Like, I think it's just trying to get that's them true. more credit it, for, for what they're gotcha. doing. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Very. And now, uh, c- kind of in line there, I should have played this before. You can call in and leave voicemail anytime, 404-369-2595. We had a special oh. mystery caller leave us uh, his thoughts on the Amazon Rheology partnership. Hey, good morning, Market Proof Marketing Gang. A fellow realtor calling in to comment on two weeks ago's episode talking about the Realogy Amazon partnership. You know, I think one of the biggest reasons why Amazon is doing this is for the data so that they can obviously mine the data from the relationships that the real estate agents have and really figure out what new homeowners do and purchase in their first Mm -hmm. few months and years so that they can better analyze and be prepared to market to those people. One of the bigger concerns I have as a realtor is what happens to the relationships that real estate agents have already built with people. And when they all of a sudden say, I want the same benefits or services as an Amazon uh, lead. So if, a, if, if they go through the system and they're going to be placed with one of the relocation agents who's agreed to pay part of their commission to the, uh, to the buyer or seller, what about the person who already has a relationship with a realtor? And all of a sudden they say, well, I already have a real relationship with you, but I want the same thing my friend got. 
And so that's kind of a backdoor uh, referral fee that's going to have to come out of agents' pockets. So I don't think Realogy is the only company that has this happening. I think it's going to happen across all. I just think the biggest one is the Realogy company and Amazon, and we'll see what happens with other affiliates. So I think it's for data, and I think on the backside, it's going to be uh, perhaps some lost revenue for the real estate agents who have already built relationships with people. So thanks for the podcast, guys. Love it, and I'll look forward to hearing next week's show. So, you know, another way to sum that up is Amazon's definitely the winner in this relationship, hands down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they literally would probably be okay with giving away all of these smart devices mm-hmm. anyway, not necessarily the services part, but the devices. Uh, I feel like any large company could, hey, we would like to put all your stuff in all of our houses. Can we get it really cheap or almost free? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, yeah, because they do want that data mm-hmm. for sure. No question. So Amazon's a winner and not just if you're a rheology agent, what they're saying is, you know, my friend, I'm an agent. My friend is looking at purchasing and he hears about this partnership and we've already been working together for like a month. And he's like, how do I get that with you? And you're like, well, you, you can't really get that with me. It's only if you go through this other lead source and get connected to somebody else oh man, that stinks. I, I really like working with you, Kevin. Like you can't. So then at some point that agent yeah. is just like, fine, I'll out of my own pocket or however in the transaction, I'm just going to lose be, more money. It could be up to like $5,000. Yeah. Right? And, wow. yep. and service and product. That's a lot. Of course, and that's on, on like a higher end, higher priced home. It's another version of what sometimes happens slash regularly happens when someone walks into a home builder's model home and says, hey, I do not have a realtor can I save 3%? And builders almost always correctly answer that question with no, because if they did, it's, it just lots of bad things happen. It just sets off a negative chain reaction. And, mm. and I think that's a good point by the mystery callers to say, look, just because people might become aware of it, it it's not, it's one of those, it's just like a coupon code, you know, before I buy, what's the best deal I can get is kind of this precedence that it's setting of, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, okay, there's this coupon code, but it means I don't work with you anymore. I guess, sorry for you, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. have that agreement in place with them. So, yeah, I think they're counting on it. Amazon, they, they, I don't Amazon, think Amazon gives a rip. That's why I say they're, I they're definitely they care, the winner. I think they, they, don't, yeah. they want I mean, that demand to be, they want people Excellent. to ask the realtor who's not part of it. Like, Hey, if I buy through this other realtor, I can get up to $5,000 worth of stuff for my home. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What are you doing? Especially as a buyer's agent, sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know. This is where it gets weird. Like, yeah, there's a lot to be said, uh, but it's like, oh, they might see less value in working with the buyer's agent versus selling where you're like, hey, you're marketing home, you're selling it for the highest price, all this stuff versus buyer, they might not see as much value. And so they could easily jump ship maybe. Right. I don't know if that will happen or not, but that is someone you've previously built a relationship with for years and now they want this little perk from Amazon. I agree. And I think it though, it comes down to the relationship too, because maybe this is just because I'm in this, you know, being 30, I'm in that demographic where a lot of people, a lot of my friends are starting to dive into either building or, you know, considering their first big home purchase. And a lot of times everybody tends to gravitate towards a real estate agent they know or have some type of relationship, mm-hmm. a family relationship, yep. friends. Like at the end of the day, I think of that relationship, yeah. it depends on that as well. And a huge preface here of real estate agents who are good at what they do. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm, what I'm talking about by my next statement is the 80% of agents who only sell one home or no home a year. 
right? Mm-hmm. But the, those people, there could be an argument made that they need to kind of get out of the market. And I think that's where uh, a lot of yeah. disruptive companies, as well as what Amazon's doing here, is like, we want to channel the leads to the best agents and yeah. best meaning best, most likely to convert, but also probably most likely to convert because they do this more often. They are more skilled. They are more aware of the marketplace, right? And so I think what you're saying, Jackie, is really interesting of everyone knows three or four people who are real estate agents. Yes. Not everybody knows one of those agents who does the vast majority of transactions in that marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so and I think- it's interesting. And it also is concerning for the for the consumer who is relying on that relationship of someone I know to guide me through this thing where they might have literally only done two homes in the last two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they may not have much more insight than you do at times. I think this will, and you kind of led onto this earlier, Kevin, was there will be, yeah, I think some of those, that 80% will kind of get out because it won't make sense for them. But then the ease of transaction for the, the successful realtors that, that do know what they're doing, I think their transaction volume will go up, but then their commission percents could go down. Mm-hmm. So maybe less revenue commission per, per home, but it's quicker to get in and out of a transaction. Yep. because of the technology everyone's coming in. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, that's so true. Numbers won't change much. It's just you're doing more, but you're making a little bit less in each one. And I'd be curious too, out of the people that actually are using like the turnkey, the whole the whole process itself would just use it for the thousand dollars to five thousand dollars worth of the Amazon home services. Like is I'd be curious too if well that's where that's I don't I don't more think... of a drawing point or I, I really just view it as a different form of coupon code. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm uh, going to do this anyway and I can yep. get that. I mean, sure. But I don't think someone yep. starts out exactly. the process yeah, I agree. with that in yep. mind necessarily. It's, it's just an like, added bonus. I, put, mm-hmm. I saw an ad for turnkey last night. I put it in. I took a screenshot. Mm-hmm. It's at the very bottom of, of our notes here. And if you look at it, to me, this is interesting. There's like 800 likes on the page, turnkey. So it's definitely a newer page. This video, they're pushing some dollars behind it. Three hundred. It's a, so it's a video ad, and no one listening can see it, but it's a video ad, kind of boring in my opinion. But three hundred and fifty-eight thousand views, only four shares, only wow. sixteen reactions, which is totally bizarre. But you could also share a video between different ads, and the video count goes up. But then the those are separate numbers, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. the reactions on the ad are different from the total views on the video that it's embedding in there. Um, but it's still like they just started advertising this because there's like 800 likes on the turnkey page. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I, I'd I'm be like, curious. This is weird. I got the ad. Someone would take this to their local home builder and would say, you know, this is appealing to me. Could you offer me a thousand to five thousand dollars worth of incentive to compete in a way? You know how you see that when you take into a store and it, they're always old match some type of yeah. mm-hmm. I'd be curious if that was if they were a make or break or if they needed something if that I can tell be- you from my time as a home builder and and most specifically my time uh, as a VP of sales and marketing and division president market manager that people will ask for anything, anything yeah everything anything. so I'm sure someone mm-hmm. will yeah absolutely or at least the shot. install of like, hey, I, I want to install. I don't know. That's that. But can weird. we I don't know can we talk about this too? It. Why are we not doing this yet? Why what, is the, it uh, not making it smart? Like, <laughs> why is smart home even interesting? Why like, yeah. that's just a, that should it's be totally a standard bizarre. feature. I agree across the board. I agree. <laughs> 100%. I don't even understand. I don't get it. 
Mm-hmm. It's weird. I, I mean, really I do get it because of cost. Ago. But you talk about cost and perceived value. There's such a win there. I agree. Well, especially if you're showing the, a model and you're like, good morning. And you say the floor plan name. And so you made like the, the routines for that. Right, right. And people are like, wow, this is amazing. And then they go to the competitor who doesn't have it because no one's doing it. They're like, oh, this yeah. is really and boring. I, I don't know. I, I think mm-hmm. so. But I think that's kind of the wow. Then then you get into the harder part. of Then you have to train people how to set it up or spend more time. Uh, yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. setting that up for every house. And that's definitely the harder part than just installing it. I just view it again as it's like the thing that you would probably get as a father for Christmas and your birthday over the next like three years anyway. And it's just all these free cool things are added to your house that have a high perceived value, even if they're not fully utilized. Like my, my dad has mm-hmm. uh, half of this stuff. Mm-hmm. He only uses it for 5% of what it can do. He doesn't care. He's just, he's right. amazed. It's like magic to him. To talk to something and hear it talk back. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. As usual, oh. we've crushed the timeline here. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We're going to spend some time with a very special person who has had the, I guess, unique challenge of having to let multiple people live in her corporate office for multiple days. And uh, so we're going to call this next (laughs) segment, the 360 topic of the week, Camping with Carrie. We will be right back. And we're back with Carrie Regiers from Fisher Homes. I uh, had to very intentionally not call her Carrie Fisher. <laughs> I mean, that's so hard. I, I call her that in my head. Like every time I see an email, I'm like, oh, it's Princess Leah here. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> I have been called that before on TV, so it's happened. Oh. Did you correct the news anchor or whoever that was? Of course not, but we, la- we laugh about it. <laughs> we laugh about it still to this day. So and you, you've <laughs> been awesome. on TV quite, quite a bit, or at least a few times, I think, right? Yeah. So um, we built a St. Jude dream home here in Cincinnati. And this year was our 14th dream home. Wow. So wow. we do a lot of TV uh, coverage for that, which is awesome. Yeah. It's a wonderful cause. It's probably my favorite part of my job. I wish I didn't have to do it. I wish we, you know, we didn't have to worry about childhood cancer, but St. Jude is, is the place and they are doing amazing things there. So I'm proud to work yeah, with them. That is awesome. Okay. Give people the lay of the land before we talk about sure. you, Carrie, let's talk about the things that, you know, all home builders want to know of geographical footprint of Fisher kind of general wide swath of price ranges and product types. Do you build single family only townhomes, et cetera? Just kind of give us a quick overview of Fisher sure. uh, from uh, what you guys do. Absolutely. So we started in Cincinnati, in Northern Kentucky. We now build in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, Atlanta, and most recently in Louisville, Kentucky. So we're across six different divisions. We build uh, single family homes, condominiums, and also patio homes. So ranch style, you know, low maintenance homes. And our pricing Uh is anywhere from the 130s, you know, for our condo product offering all the way up to close to a million when you get into more of our custom homes. Wow. That's a range. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) But predominantly single family, right? Sorry if if you, yeah, not as much multifamily as other builders your size might be. Correct. More multifamily here in Cincinnati, in the greater Cincinnati area. Yeah. Awesome. And the company's been around a while, family owned, correct? Family owned. And next year will be um, our 40th year. So we are excited about that. 
Okay. And n- no surprise, you have not been with them for 40 years because no. you're 20, 26 <laughs> or something. Oh, so tell us, <laughs> tell us, uh, anytime we get an actual marketer in home building on the program, I always like to spend a little extra time on your background just so people, again, yeah. have context of how did, you know, no one ever says I want to be a new home marketer when I grow up. So how did you come to this and kind of what positions or companies did you work with prior to getting into home building? Sure. So I grew up here in Northern Kentucky where Fisher was started. So I grew up knowing the brand and I didn't live in a Fisher home until a little later, but I was very familiar with the company. And I actually studied architecture in in college for a little bit. I decided that it wasn't necessarily for me, but I also knew I had a passion for architecture and a passion for interior design. So that kind of led me down a little different of a path. I actually majored in merchandising, um, so somewhat similar. And when Mm. I finished with school, I worked at uh, an agency here in Cincinnati that called LPK. And we did a lot of work on Procter & Gamble brands, um, so consumer packaged goods, and also a lot of Hershey chocolate brands. So that was a lot of fun. Be fun. Yeah, it was was really fun. We revitalized brands that hadn't been, you know, touched you know, packaging design wise in like 20, 25 years. So very iconic brands. And, and when you do that, especially like with a brand like a Reese's Pieces, you have to do that very carefully. So it took a while, we went through a lot of testing. So I learned, I really learned a lot. My time there, I uh, had a lot of fun, had a lot of candy, but then, <laughs> you know, just decided it was time to, to yeah. move on and, and maybe try the client, you know, side of the business. So a yeah. few years ago, it'll be, it'll be six years in, in August. I actually was building a Fisher home when, you know, I, turned to my husband at, at the time and said, I would love to work here. I would love to do something in home building. And it so happened that they had a marketing manager position open at the time. So, you know, it was, I accepted the job. And then three, four weeks later, you know, we moved into our new Fisher house. So, so you have an agency background, yeah. which I jokingly would say you were with the dark side <laughs> and now you're internal, right? But we had, we had Jenny from EA Homes on. I loved hearing her perspective, what it was like to work in an agency. I'm curious what yours was. Were you primarily focused on just a small number of clients at a time then, or, or maybe even just one, or were you spread around? Or For the most part, it was a smaller number, I would say. But when I worked on Hershey, we could have been working with a couple of clients, but a lot of different brands. So they have a lot of different brands underneath the Hershey umbrella that you may may or may not realize, mm-hmm. like Jolly Rancher or Bubble Yum. So there was a lot of brands. So we have a lot of different projects going. So, you know, I learned a lot from a project management experience, had a lot of fun, loved working with clients, which I think serves me well in the role that I'm in now because I'm, you know, working closely with my, my sales (laughs) managers. And, and so you have a lot of clients. Yeah, I do (laughs) (laughs) a lot of internal clients. So it just kind of depended on the, the, the business and where the, where they needed the, the account people to be. There was some shifting, but it just kind of depended on what the projects were and how fast they, they wanted them turned around. Yeah. So six years in, I'm guessing you, you feel like you enjoy the full ownership of being inside the company versus outside though. Yes, I do. I truly love what I do. You know, it's tough sometimes it's, uh, but I love the variety of work and I love, you know, helping people make one of the biggest purchase decisions of their life. And so to me, you know, that's really exciting. So Carrie, you mentioned you're in Atlanta and then, you know, Ohio, Kentucky area. Do you find it challenging working in so many different, I mean, they are close together. It's not like you're Washington and and New York or something, but do you find that challenging as far as if there's different, you have different product types from this market to this market, or do you actually keep them 
somewhat similar? Can you go through that? So it's certainly it could it could be, you know, somewhat of a challenge, but we do have biweekly status calls with each of our divisions. We also have a marketing manager now in Atlanta. And so she's able to be there in Atlanta on the ground. Obviously, that was the, the most challenging nice. one, place for, for me to be more often than not. You know, we do make it a point to be out in our market as, as much as we can. We're getting ready to start like our quality control tours. So we'll go out and, and look at each of our model homes. So we've over gosh, over 90, I believe right now, we're 90 model homes. We'll look at all oh, of our wow. market. It That's is. A tour. That's a big tour. <laughs> so we'll, you know, and it'll give us a chance to, to go through all of our communities, all of our markets, make sure they meet our, our standards and our, our appearance and guidelines. And also gives us the chance to have those one-on-one conversations with, with sales team members. So, you know, we do a lot of virtual meetings. We do a lot of email communication, that sort of thing. But, and I also make it a point, you know, even if we're not having a weekly meeting, I try to touch base with with sales managers as often as I need to. So, yeah. And so how many internal customers or what positions are those? You've mentioned sales sure. managers. So that, that one's, that one's a, do you do or have as much interaction from a corporate perspective with sales people too, or do you try just talk, talk about the, the general flow of communication back and forth and in, in terms of types of people interact with division presidents, sure. sales managers, sales people. say more so the division stuff. presidents and the sales managers because we have a lot of, of sales counselors. So we try to mm-hmm. have that those requests sort of filtered through their manager. Number one, just to ease, you know, we have a, a wide number of, of folks, but also to make sure yeah. that things are, you know, on budget and and the sales managers up to speed on on what they're asking. So I would say sales managers and division um, presidents, and also I work a lot with our our land operations team, especially in like new communities and things like that. So from an internal perspective, those would be my two. Okay, yep. one follow up to that, right? It's not a direct follow up, but what what takes the most amount of hmm. your time? Would you say? When I, when I first question. met you, maybe four yeah. years ago now, I feel like individual email uh, marketing communication was like the ma- that maybe in flyers or it was just kind sure. of like the, the mass amount of stuff. As your team has grown and changed and you've grown and changed company, everything. How you're, I'm just curious in today's world, what still takes the most amount of time so for you? We have two amazing marketing assistants on our team. And so we divide them up by division and they are taken over rather on the email marketing. And so a lot of that is, has shifted off my plate. So I am right now, as you guys are aware, writing and developing content for most all of our Facebook ads. So that does take a lot of my time. I would say, you know, between Facebook ads, press releases, and then as I mentioned before, new communities. So coming up with community names and community theming and and things like that where I'm spending a good chunk mm-hmm. of my time these days. Awesome. That is a perfect oh, setup, oh. by the way, talking <laughs> about new communities, because I feel like, I th- when was this? This was a few months ago. I remember seeing you had a pre-sale community, like make the you news did. people camped out for it. So let's let's dive straight sure. into pre-sale because it seems like you definitely know, know the process. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess just do sure. the, the one-on-one for us. Like, do you guys go all in on pre-sale? Is it a Big chunk yeah, of so, your time. Just so many thanks, Kevin, us. to you and your team for helping set up this process with us. This was a community here in Northern Kentucky that there isn't a lot of, it's an area where there's not a lot of new construction. And so we knew going into it, there was going to be a lot of demand. We had well over 300 people on our, on our interest list. And 
we, you know, went through all the planning and and set up a preview party. We had the preview party here at our corporate office because we, you know, just because we knew it was going to be a large, a large group. You guys have a nice design studio space there. Is that what you used? We do. Yeah. So we, we, we started out, um, that's a good point. We started out in the design space, had appetizers set up, and then we kind of moved everybody over into, into our conference rooms. So we could have a, a presentation about the community from the communities. It's a single family mm-hmm. community, probably, I would say the average price, probably in the higher 500s. Yeah. And coming yeah. out of that cool. preview party event, you know, we had you know, customers set up their appointments to walk home site, et cetera. And about a, a week, I guess it was two weeks later is when we were going to have uh, the release. And that morning we planned the release for a Saturday and on Thursday morning, when somebody came into the office, they saw a tent outside of our design center. <laughs> yeah, on Thursday. On Thursday morning. On Thursday. And oh, um, okay. sure enough, once the word got out that there was a tent and someone waiting to come to our preview event on Saturday, more people showed up. So people started driving by. You oh, know, my. one lady came in and and said, you know, I, I can't stay. I've got to go home and get more diapers. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> it was november so it was right before thanksgiving um so it was colder okay Mm -hmm. yeah and um obviously we're not we weren't gonna let people stay outside so we had to quickly you know regroup and shift some things around to figure out where we're gonna where we're gonna put everybody and we ended up turning our conference room or in our training room into a party room i guess you could say Okay, so I wow. I love it. And we'll definitely in the show notes sure. we'll we'll get a link yeah. to the actual news interview. But let's peel back the onion a little bit here because there's one, I remember getting an email from you or Steve, who you who yep. uh, runs the, the marketing group there. And you guys were already kind of concerned, like, hey, we can just tell the interest here, right. like what if people camp out? And so one, you guys had already thought a little bit about this. You weren't caught completely off guard in that you at least were aware that this may happen. But what I think a lot of builders would do uh, is out of fear of this is going to be awful and terrible and we're going to, you know, people are going <laughs> to get gangrene or, you know, it's just terrible things are going to happen is you did really turn it into a positive, which is fantastic from a culture and, a you know, the PR opportunity that that created was, was really cool, but I still give you guys so much credit for sticking to it because you didn't let them leave either though. Like you didn't say, right. Here's a, here's a card, come back. This other time, right. You still stuck to it, which I think is like a lot of people feel bad or apologetic that a lot of people Mm -hmm. want something we have. And we talked about, and lots of different conversations. And I talk about a lot of people is, why do we feel so bad? Like if, if the newest hot toy comes out and your kid wants it for Christmas, what is the parent, what, what do you as a parent do often is you end up standing in a line on Black Friday waiting to get, you know, so there is no other industry that feels as apologetic, I don't think, as home builders. So kind of just talk to me about how, how you guys thought through that and was there, was it all kind of unified from the get go of, we're going to make people stay here. <laughs> I, what, I think what we that just like? knew that once the word started to spread, um, because keep, keep in mind too, this is a smaller, this is a pretty tight knit Northern Kentucky community. So a lot of the people that were VI, on the VIP list, they knew each other. And so, 
and their kids went to school together. They've even, uh, lived, even, even lived in the same neighborhood. And so, you know, gotcha. once the word got out, we knew that there was going to be more people. Um, frankly, I don't know if we really knew how long the guy in the tent was there and we certainly were going to make it, you know, he could have been there all night for all we know. I don't, I don't think he was, but we're going to make it fair. Right. And, you know, we did give people the opportunity mm-hmm. to switch out, like if they had to go to work or, you know, a grandmother wanted to come or whatever, but we just, from the beginning, we just sure. said, you know, we're going to keep this fair for everybody because we, we had over 60 couples in attendance at the VIP. We were only releasing 20 home sites mm-hmm. in that first phase, you know, and we thought about like, do we, do we look for a hotel? Do we, and we just thought, you know what, and to your point earlier, our design centers here and a lot of them did, you know, you know, when they were here, they would go over the design center and they'd start picking out their selections and start thinking about that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And so oh, that's we, just, awesome. we were like, okay, so we, we figured out what to do. And you know, like our designer who does all of our model homes, I think she came within two hours and delivered like leather recliners and couches. So we had, we had those set up. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, you didn't make people rough it. You had a bounce house and we food. We did. We we hired yeah hired a bar. Oh wow. We we brought in catering and we tried to make it fun for the kids too. I mean there were there were lots of kids. You know, we we had bouncy houses and and some other things for kids kids to do. But we wanted to make them feel at home. I mean, I ran out to Target and got air mattresses. You should have seen the look on the cashier's face when I was buying like 15 air mattresses and pillows. They're like, what are you doing? What are you Um, doing? Yeah. Okay. So again, I just, I have to ask things that maybe is less interesting to other people, but what did that do to the whole company? Like this is your corporate office. What were people talking about? Like they all, I just, I'm so curious what was the chatter in the hallway? Everybody, I'm, it was like, what's going on in there? You know, like, are, this is really happening. And, <laughs> what's marketing um, doing again? Yeah. People were excited about it too. I mean, to see, they would kind of come in and, and talk, various people would come in and talk or introduce themselves. And, you know, the people that stayed here, so the, the future homeowners, I mean, they were like, oh my gosh, you guys, you guys are fun. Like we were hanging out with them and, you know, we all kind of got to know each other at the end because we also had to have people here spend, we had to have employees mm-hmm. spend the night too not spend the night, but stay like work night shifts just to make sure because we're not, we don't own the building that we're in and we didn't, you know, we wanted people to stay in our space. So, so yeah, we had a plan for employee shifts and and that sort of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, we sold out that Saturday, at least, you know, we sold out the first phase. So it was 20. I didn't even hear that part. Okay. You're 20 sites, right? So 20 times 500. I believe that. No, that's, I say, believe you. I'm not, can I t- can I double check that? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> I know uh, the the news story said thirteen or fifteen were like already in attendance or something. So I remember, like, it would have been really close if you didn't. Yeah, I think it was really yeah. close. So you well, know, because awesome. we actually we just opened. Yeah, so it was a new phase. So it was a it was a really cool experience. And then, like you said, the media came out. They caught wind of it, and I think we were like the lead news story that because it was right before Black yeah. Friday. And so they kind of, and you yeah, may not know the like, full story here, yeah. but uh, was this a community you guys developed on your own or did you have a developer partner? So this was an extension of a community that we built, um, in 20 oh, years wow. ago. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not totally okay. sure who, who the developer was, but it was an extension. So people, so some of the people that built already lived in a Fisher mm-hmm. home. I, I just think one of the extra and benefits that, that 
sometimes people don't pick up from the book or, or going through it themselves is the impact of the word of mouth that can have in the developer community of the next time you're up to get a project and you're committing to a certain takedown or agreement, you know, it definitely gives you more street cred with them too of, yeah, we will, we'll do the same process. It might not obviously be 20 people camping out, but we're going to do the same process that we did there with your neighborhood too. And that makes developers really excited. Yeah. And the cool part was it was neat to watch the, just the bonds that were forming between the future neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them didn't know each other. Some of them did, but they were, you know, they had a Facebook group by the end of the weekend. (laughs) Then they were planning like the first block party and they were going to all do like the same kind of Christmas decoration. It was fun to watch that. That just like meets the, the dream or, or I don't know the right word would be of like a new community and Instant just community like yeah. knowing people and like, we're all yeah. similar, this experience, just like, that's what I think versus new versus existing. Like it'd be hard to get that in an existing neighborhood unless it was already had that type of, right. of, of vibes. Yeah. That's, that's very yep. cool. And now they're all, they're all starting to move in, which, which is also exciting. And, and so, yeah, and they were like, you know what, you guys have to come to our annual block party. I mean, it was just, it was fun. Um, it was exhausting. Don't get me wrong. A lot of work went into it, but you know, it was, it was one of those things where, like you said, it was sort of like the perfect culmination of low, low supply in the area with high demand and, and people had heard about it for a while. And yep. And so not all of your grand release processes are going to have the same results, but again, even from an internal cultural perspective, it starts to breed confidence in this, this process itself does work. The the actual results may vary, but we can have faith in the process. And I do, you know, thank you for giving us uh, props on, on working over the years with you on this process, but you guys have worked the process, meaning, you know, you've had your own completely, not completely separate, but you had a process already in place. This is, this is something that you guys continue to iterate on and learn from. And I think, that's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed working with with you, and I guess with Steve. We'll give him some some love too, but <laughs> mostly with you uh, has been enjoyable Aww. because you do. You're always like, "What's next? What do we?" And I don't know that I can say that's because of you work in a larger company because not all large companies are like that. It definitely seems to be a culture of Fisher to say, "And what's next? Okay, and what's next? Yeah. Okay, and what's next?" <laughs> Yeah, I would absolutely. Yeah, it's a great place to work, great people to work for. And, you know, I would absolutely say that, you know, now, now management would like this to happen every time, but it's not. So I have to (laughs) have to remind them that, you know, this was hopefully it'll happen again. But, you know, we'll see. What are are some lessons you've learned from the pre-sale process as far as like things you must do that you've because you've been doing it. Or yeah, if, if you were talking to someone who was brand new at a home builder and they yep. were opening their first new neighborhood, like not the whole process, but just what do you feel like are the most important aspects of the pre-sale? I think, you know, just keeping keeping people engaged, mm-hmm. surveying at the beginning, you know, we've worked with you guys a lot on that because that just helps, you know, maybe filter out people that, you know, may not be looking, maybe not wanting exactly what you're going to offer, whether it's price or product type. Mm-hmm. And then I would say just, you know, keeping in close contact with the NHS team. That's your to, online team. To come up with those, yeah. Oh, sorry. Online team to come up with that drip campaign of, of what that, or that nurturing campaign of what that that's going to look like, especially for communities. Maybe you're taking a little longer or aren't going to, you know, they're not going to launch exactly when you expect because you don't want to lose people. Mm-hmm. So I would say just continuing to nurture your leads. 
Awesome. And what about the in-person events? That's a really good question. I think following up with people that RSVP, you know, we have had some that, you know, for whatever reason, they don't, they've RSVP, but they don't, they don't show up to the event. Sure. So following up even afterwards and say, why, you know, are you still interested or, you know, why, why couldn't you make it? That sort of thing. But just having the online team, you know, call or text ahead of time to make sure that they are going to, they are going to go to the, to the event, maybe just figuring out the right time of the week to have the event too. Which who runs, who runs those events? Is it all just a local team? Do you guys kind of give them guidelines or does corporate we give them involved? guidelines? Okay. So the marketing team will meet with the sales team and we'll give them, you know, materials and talking points and things like that and give them guidelines as to, you know, how to set up the event, if there's going to be food or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We try not to, you know, we try to have it in a model home if we can, in a model home that, that's similar to the product type that we're going to offer just so people can can see it. And we're at our design center. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that's just a really good way to showcase, to yep. get people excited and to get them thinking about what their new house can look like. So Awesome. Well, as we yeah. start wrapping things up, talk to me about from the time, I mean, six years at Fisher, that's a, that's a mm-hmm. long time. From the time you started, kind of reflecting back to your first year there to now, what do you feel like are the biggest changes that, that may or may not be surprising, but just what's, what are the biggest adjustments that you've had to make and how you approach things? I would say for one, you know, social media, you know, when, when I started, we had 6,000 fans <laughs> on our page, maybe a little under 6,000. And now I know we're well over 40 and just growing our, our business that way. And, and again, you guys have, have done such a wonderful job in, in helping us do that, helping us learn the ever-changing ad world on Facebook. At the time, you know, we really weren't doing a lot of advertising social media. And now it's probably half of our spend. That's been one thing just as I've, you know, the past few years, just constantly keeping up on and and learning. And I would say probably the other thing that comes to mind would be, and I've mentioned this before, but everything that that goes into starting a a community. So Now that I, you know, I'm not necessarily on all the day to day that happens within our businesses, but I'm sort of trying to see the over the big picture and things that we could even scale from division to division and and making, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, momentum is so hard to create, and right. if you can just make that first couple of weeks or month go better than typical, it makes the rest of the neighborhood. Right. So much easier. So I think from a time going back to where you're spending your time, both in terms of social yep. and new communities, it makes sense to be focused there. And, I, you know, you said you're spending a lot of your budget on social, but it does <laughs> take a lot of time, though, which is the trade off of we've talked about this before in other episodes, Andrew, of the trade off of, you know, being efficient with your time versus effective and figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, but but I think the right the right balance there. But social is one of those things where. If you approach social advertising from a, we're going to do this the fastest, easiest possible way, it definitely has a dramatic difference on the results you see, right, Carrie? Like you're putting the time in there because you could do it faster, easier, less expensive from a human time standpoint, but it's worth the investment right now to do that. Right. You you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, it's they're, like you said, it's, it's they're not quick to do or if you have to box brownie a photo or but it's it's in my mind. I mean, that could be the first and only impression with a homeowner, with a potential homeowner. So I feel, you know, with with our website, you know, that really is the first moment of truth, right? When they when they interact and see your brand. And so we always want that to, to look our best and it, 
and in my mind, it's, it's worth putting that extra time in there, especially yeah. when, and then when you see the results. All right. You may not have one. What's the, I'll, I'll share mine. One of the craziest, sure. I don't, maybe we sh- told the story. I don't know. I'm just going to tell it again. One time we had a sales rep who was always baking cookies and they would tell us, uh, this is when I was at Miranda. It was because they wanted the house to smell good. And then we ended up finding out that they were running a cookie business on the side. And so when there wasn't traffic in the model home, they were baking yeah. cookies. So what's the craziest story that you you oh. can share from your last six years? Like about, about a model home or? Well, any, just anything. about. I just think it's a crazy business. Like when I talk to people who are not in home building, they're just like, wow, it's like the Wild West. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes. Oh gosh, we find a lot of crazy stuff on our quality control tours. I'm trying to think of something that I've seen that, <laughs> I mean, we've, we've found like toothpaste and toothbrushes and things like that. Like they don't, oh, it, it, <laughs> who's living here? Who's living here? Yep. I don't I, really I think, think people are living here. I hope not. <laughs> gosh, I don't know. No, that's good. Toothpaste and toothbrushes, probably not the typical <laughs> thing that you would expect in a so model. If anybody, yeah. If anybody's listening to this, so we we don't have them in our models. <laughs> <But I, laughs> awesome. Well, Carrie, thanks so much uh, for taking the time yeah, to join us. And uh, she's a great person to connect with. Feel free to reach out to her on LinkedIn. Again, Absolutely. link in the show notes. But a, a great person at a, at a larger company to get a different perspective from is is always great to have. So thanks again. Well, thank you guys for having me. And thank you thank both you. for everything. So. Actually, couldn't thanks do, for finally with, showing up. Couldn't do we've without been begging you, right? you to come on for you know, <laughs> I know. Few, like a year. Sorry, it's been a while. Since we started. Though. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. I love listening to it. So keep up. Awesome. Keep up. All right, guys. Thanks again, Carrie, for joining us. Guys, make sure you connect with her, reach out, tell her she did a great job. She was definitely, I think she put this off for like, five months because she's just like, I don't know if I, you did an awesome job, Carrie. And it's just awesome whenever you guys are willing to share stories and examples of this stuff, because everyone, the first question, anytime you're talking about an idea or a change in process, who else is doing this? Is anybody else doing this? You know, they want to know is there, yeah, who else can I copy back to the theme of the show, I guess. Right. I'm only going to copy them if it's proven that it works at all times for all reasons, for all purposes everywhere. So if you can show me that, then I'm all cool with changing. Otherwise, you're going to have to convince me. So it's awesome when people like Carrie allow that transparency to potential competitors, just understand how they approach these things. And of course, we're big fans of pre-selling communities. And so again, thanks. Thanks to you, Carrie. All right, let's uh, get into this week's new question of the week, which was based on a question that was posted in the Facebook group. A kind of a riff on that question. At what stage of construction do you put your homes in the MLS? And for some of you, you're thinking, why is this a question? Because as soon as I start a house, I put it in the MLS right up front. Well, there are many builders who don't do that, who strategically, for their own reasons, decide to wait and only put a house in the, in the MLS when it gets to framing or when its cabinets are installed or when it's totally complete for different reasons. You know, uh, realtors being confused about what's going on with this house and trying to show up and, and take a potential buyer through a finished home and it's only in framing. And so they get screamed at and yelled at and why are you wasting my time kind of thing. Some people do it for potential cost savings. Some people view every 
opportunity for promotion of, of a home at any stage to be a positive thing. And so again, they put it in straight from the beginning. So no necessarily right or wrong answer. Just curious how everyone approaches this because it's definitely not consistent and varies wildly across the country. Fun question. I'd be curious too. All right, that'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Have a great holiday weekend. Uh, We're recording this right before Labor Day, so we're going to scoot out and have some fun. Yay. That's right. See ya. <laughs> Andrew, mostly by putting up hurricane shutters. Yeah, that's right. Vibration of something that Watch the may or may not actually hit them. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. See ya. See ya.